This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, what happens when I die? Today we're asking this question to Mark Connor. Mark is a gifted leader, speaker and author who's been involved in church leadership for over three decades. In early 2017, Mark transitioned out of being senior minister at City Life Church in Melbourne, where he was on staff for 32 years. And now he focuses on training, writing and coaching others. And he joins me now. Please welcome Mark Connor. Thank you very much. Welcome to Bigger Questions, Mark. It's great that you can join us here today. Now, Mark, uh, you stepped back a couple of years ago from running a large church. So are you finding it hard to find things to do? Not at all, actually. Really enjoying a little uh, slower pace, yeah. smaller world. So it is a slower pace than yeah, running a big church. Simpler life. Yeah, it, it was um, a, a great experience. Loved it, enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, really enjoying this new season and, and great to be on the show today. Um, obviously a, a pretty serious topic, although my wife read the invite which said, uh, what happens when I die with Mark Connor? <laughs> <laughs> So we had a little giggle around that. Okay, right. Well, we'll try to ensure there's no fatalities here (laughs) today. And we'd like to have you alive at the end of the show as well. Uh, But we are talking about death. You've mentioned Mm. that. It's a fairly serious topic. So it's not usually a topic of conversations at workplaces or parties uh, around the city. Um, But do you think we talk about death enough? Not at all. I think it's probably a a topic we really don't lean into unless there's a funeral or something uh, and yet the the death rates kind of run at about 100 percent right now yeah so we all eventually will die and so i think it's something really important to talk about um, but i think it's probably a subject we often avoid particularly in our culture where um, youth is glorified and we tend to all think we'll live forever yeah well we're going to talk about it today yeah. and to kick off bigger questions we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions we do try to have a bit of fun on the show and today's topic is a big one And without trying to trivialise death at all, I thought I'd test you on what happened after these people died. Okay, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. Now, something happened at the funeral of Irish Defence Force veteran Shay Bradley, which his daughter described as the best send-off for an incredible man. What happened at the funeral? Was it A... A choir sang Amazing Grace, led by a reunion of Irish band Boyzone, of which apparently Bradley was a huge fan. Was it B, there was a 21-gun salute followed by fireworks? Was it C, gathered onlookers through Bradley's entire collection of Johnny Cash records and CDs onto the grave so he could always be with the music he loved? Or was it D, as the coffin was being lowered into the ground, the voice of Bradley himself was heard from the coffin saying, let me out, it's dark in here, is that the priest I can hear? I feel this is a setup. <laughs> what so, makes you think that? <laughs> I'll just say D. And it's right. Oh. Yes, it is. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Through a pre-recorded message, Shay Bradley was able to entertain his attendees at his own graveside by calling for his release from the coffin in a recording played to mourners at a funeral in Ireland. So instead of alarm, though, laughter <laughs> swept across the crowd and his daughter described it as the best send-off for an incredible man. There so. Is that something you've ever seen at a funeral? Uh, for the no, I've done a few gravesides and uh, many funerals, but haven't seen that one happen. Okay, yeah. No, Do you think gra- that would gravesides are pretty, well? pretty that- sombre. <laughs> well, it was a, a bit of a, a strange sort of thing to happen yeah, at a funeral. Yeah. But yeah, Do you think that would go down well, you think? Probably depends on the audience. Obviously, this person had a great sense of humour. Yeah. Um, so, got a bit Irish in me. So, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can have a chuckle at that. 
<laughs> Do you think it will happen when I die with Mark Connor? <laughs> so that's a, anyway, we'll Might see. plan ahead on that. Okay. Yeah. Question two. You're doing well. Yeah. The father of English bride Charlotte Watson died just four months before her wedding. What happened at the wedding to ensure that the deceased father was with her? Was it A, she wore a T-shirt of him on top of her wedding dress? Was it B, she had her dad's ashes put into special wedding nails? C, she came down the aisle to his favourite song, Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. Mm, beautiful. Or D, she had her dad's ashes made into a special diamond necklace. So which happened to ensure that her deceased father was with her on her wedding day? Yeah, look, I think the song's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but maybe she had the ashes. She did, but where were they? In the nails or on the necklace? I think the necklace. Or maybe the nails. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually the that, nails. That was your cue. That was special. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to give you a chance. Yeah, you yeah. still done pretty well. Yeah, so she had a day with her on her wedding day after his ashes were incorporated into her acrylic nails. So, well, Mark, you're on the way to trivia immortality because you passed. <laughs> you got one of our two smaller questions Thank right. Thank you. Big round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> Now, Mark, these are beautiful and special stories of what happened after these particular people died. Now, anthropologists say that one of the things that makes humans special is by burying our dead. So mm. what do you think these stories say? What do they communicate about the human spirit? Well, I think it shows the um, deep connection we have with one another and particularly family and friends yeah. and the, the difficulty in letting go yeah. and saying goodbye and, yeah, the desire and the longing you know, to keep that connection as long as possible, I think. Yeah. yeah. So there's a deep sort of feelings that we feel with yeah. the people who have passed away. Yeah, very yeah, much yeah. so. Now, anthropologist Paige Madison claims that burying the dead demonstrates a capacity to think symbolically, which she suggests is a pointer of human uniqueness. And she also says that burials provide a hard material record of a behaviour that is deeply spiritual mm. and meaningful. So do you agree with Paige? Yeah, very much, very much. I think, uh, as I said, we don't talk about death much. It's not a normal uh, dinner time topic, but no. uh, having, you know, just recently my father passed away at 92 yeah. and my stepmom at 89. So in the last 12 months I've li literally been at the funeral and, and buried uh, two very close loved ones. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty sacred moments, you know. It's like all of life comes into those few moments when you're saying goodbye and trying to recall and the grief, the loss, the tears, and yet also the, the appreciation, the gratitude. So mm. yeah, there is something sacred about it. Now, in one respect, though, one of the things that does happen after we die is we do get buried. Mm. We've just talked mm. about a couple there. And burials and cremations are significant. Now, whilst being meaningful and significant, but isn't there a bit of a, a sting in these stories that the bride actually couldn't hold her father's hand and the dead serviceman couldn't enjoy his own jokes? So... Uh, does death rob us of something? Yeah, I, I think death is a, an enemy. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing good about death. You know, having um, had friends and loved ones pass away, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a very sad, sombre time and there's, there's huge loss and grief with it. And afterwards, yeah, you, you long for that person to still be around and you can sense the longing there even in the, the ashes in the nails and the, you right, know, yeah. trying to keep the memory of that person alive. And so, so death has a finality to it. Mm. And yeah, I think that um, there's a seriousness to it that really hits you hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is that finality confronting, do you think? Very much so, very much so. A story... Of my first experience with death, I was 16. My older sister had married, left home. Uh, so it was just me at home with mum and dad. We're living in America. And 
we had uh, a 20 year old young man who was studying uh, at, at uni come and board with us so yeah. I kind of had my older brother his name was Robert and uh, we went away on holidays one summer he didn't come I still remember the moment we came home and my dad was opening the front door and the phone was ringing we were bringing our stuff in and my dad answered the phone he was visibly shaken and it was Robert's best friend and he tragically drowned and uh, I'll never forget his funeral you know I'm, I'm only 16 uh, here's this 20 year old so much potential training future he was actually engaged and I just remember sitting in his funeral li literally stunned at you know how how short how frail how fragile life is and so that was a very very dark and difficult moment it was probably a defining moment for me yeah. because I think as a 16 year old again you know you, you kind of think you're going to live forever and life's a lot of fun and so it was actually at his funeral where I think for the first time I probably started to ask some of the bigger questions like whoa you know what, what guarantee is there that I'm going to live long or my life could be cut off short and be beyond the why questions I definitely started a journey of going well you know life's pretty short what's worth living for what is the meaning of life what's worth pursuing yeah. so 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 though there's a darkness and a, and a grief and a loss to it um, for, for me it was a defining moment so then how did it impact you oh, look I, I, I very much began a journey as I said of starting to think about what what's really worth living for and what really matters what really counts what really lasts what conclusion did you come to well um not not in that particular moment as a 16 year old but if you fast forward you just start looking around at the culture we're in and the values that are you know basically bombarding us every day I think we live in a culture where the three biggest values would be pleasure yep um, I mean, if, if you stop the average person on the street at lunchtime today and say, what do you want out of life? It'll be, I want to have fun. I want to uh, be happy. I want to be happy. I want to have a good time. And, you know, we have an entire industry called the entertainment industry that spends billions of dollars to make us laugh and feel good. And so pleasure is a number one value of, of our culture. Secondly would be possessions. Um, we're a culture consumed on consuming. And we've got so much stuff. One of the fastest growing businesses today is the self-storage industry because we can't fit everything in our garage. So we need to pay for storage, you know. So possessions. And then thirdly, I think prestige, which is this kind of um, being important. I mean, image management's everything uh, I think social media is the the platform for that you yeah. know whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram snapchat whatever's the latest it's how many friends how many likes you know we want to be seen and so a lot of our culture bombards us with pleasure possessions and prestige and yet as you really think about those things, it's not as if they're bad. I didn't come to the conclusion life's about not having fun, not having stuff and being a nobody. But, but pleasure's pretty short-lived. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's there and it's gone. You need another fix. Possessions, you know, I've done a lot of funerals. I've seen people go into the coffin. You know, you never see a... A trailer behind a hearse. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> no, you know, you you're don't. Not, you're not taking anything. You with don't you. take anything with you, and the millionaire leaves it all. So possessions don't last, and, and I think prestige. You know, um, nothing against the rich and famous, but if you think about a lot of the people that occupy our time, um, it's not as if they're they're bad people. But you know, what about the doctor? What about the teacher? Mm. What about the homeless shelter volunteer that no one knows? So I, I, I was on this journey of what really matters, what really lasts, what's worth giving my life for, and it, it, it began to shape my values, probably to be a little countercultural than some of the messages as a young person I was getting. Yeah. So what did you conclude? I would conclude that 
the things that are worth living for would be relationships, love. I mean, no one on their deathbed says, I wish I spent more time in the office. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we, 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 we all have to spend time in the office. But, but if you think about it, when the end is near, what really matters is the people that are close to us. Uh, I heard someone once say, success is having those closest to you love and respect you the most. And so for me, as I sat by my 92-year-old dad and saw him take his last breath, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's love, it's the family, no, nothing else matters. So I think those things and, and ultimately a, a relationship with God for me. So why is that, why is that important for you, a relationship with God? Um, look, I, I think it's this belief that there has to be something more mm. and... The, the big question is what happens when we die and science hasn't been able to answer that question. Uh, the well, I think it, it just says you're dead. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> and, and, and an interesting study uh, of near-death experiences indicates about 40% report some common phenomena. When people have actually almost died, they feel like they're in a tunnel, there's a lot of light around, they feel an overwhelming sense of love, and often they have an out-of-body experience where they're literally looking back on their body. Mm. Uh, the last one's very interesting because, and not only are they looking back on their body, but they remember and see things that they couldn't have known if they were in their body. And so I think this is really, it doesn't prove that there's life after death, but if consciousness can exist separate from the brain, the brain's dead, clinically someone's not living, but their consciousness is there and then they come back and then they tell that experience. I think that's quite fascinating. And I think this is one area, I just read uh, Richard Dawkins' latest book, Outgrowing God. He's yeah. a leading atheist and I read his book. Uh, he never talks about consciousness or soul or spirit. And you know, I, I was at the birth of all three of our children. I saw them take their first breath. It's a phenomenal moment. I've also been at the bedside of people who've taken their last breath. Still remember a woman who was in a bit of a coma and whole families in the room. I was a minister. I'm in the room. And, you know, there's tears. And, and I just felt this prompting. I said to her husband, Richard, are you ready to let her go? And he said, yeah. I said, why don't we pray? We, got, we, we all joined hands around this woman who was breathing, but she wasn't engaging. I just prayed a simple prayer, thanking God for her life and said, Lord, we release her to you. By the time I'd said amen, she, st she took her last breath. Mm. And the nurse came in and she got it. It was, it was like a sacred moment. So, so I've seen the first breath of my children. I've also seen people take their final breath. And so I have to ask, like, that soul, that spirit, where did that come from and where does it go? Mm. And I don't think science has really gone into this comment or, or question of spirit, soul, consciousness. And I have to believe, and, and, and again, I, I don't have proof for it, that does that person just go into nothingness? Is that, is that it? Well, I mean, that's, that's the heart of the question, yeah, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? And, it's what, and uh, you've mentioned our culture before, but that's what our, a common thing of our culture is, that yeah. where we effectively cease yeah. to exist. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose this is what we're wrestling with now. Can we know anything beyond that? Yeah. Well, maybe we could look at some of what the Bible has yeah. to say, because the death is confronted mm. uh, by the Bible. And Psalm 49, which is an ancient song, which offers some wisdom and reflections on death, uh, it says in verse 10 of Psalm 49, For all can see that the wise die, and that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. <laughs> People, despite their wealth, do not endure, 
They are like the beasts that perish. That sounds a little bit depressing here, like the tombs of the dead remaining in their houses forever, people not enduring. So is the Bible just too negative here, do you think? Yeah, I found this psalm very fascinating to read, and it's, it's probably more like a wisdom psalm than a, yeah. than a psalm of praise or prayer. But obviously there's some great insight. And notice the universal aspect in verse 1. Hear this, all you peoples, all who live in the world, low, high, rich, and poor. You know, d- death affects everybody, every yeah, culture. Yeah, it's 100%. Yeah, 100% mortality rate. So it's got everyone's attention, and I was interested. God isn't mentioned until verse 15. Yeah. And before that, everything we were just talking about. Wealth, <laughs> yep. like, like you don't take it with you. It specifically says that. I, I love the little phrase, they, they had named lands after themselves. That's, that, like that. that's the ancient social media, you know, <laughs> Connor Estate. <laughs> like, you know, that's a lot of likes. That's yeah. a lot of thumbs up. So, so it's interesting that the wealth, the prestige, all these things that we talked about, yeah. culture kind of tells us are worth pursuing. This person's done the reflection and gone, doesn't save you from death. No, well, in fact, it says that you have, um, you like the beasts that perish. Mm, mm. So in some respects, there's almost no difference between you yeah. and an animal. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you react to that? Is that, is that uh, insult, perhaps? Well, I think it's a, it's a stark reality, isn't it? We, 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 in some ways, appear to be no different. Verse 15, for this songwriter, but God. And well, that's right. That's, that's what he he yeah. turns it all around here, because news is found in verse 15. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead, he will surely take me to himself. So mm. what does that mean? He talks about being redeemed. What, what does that mean? It's fascinating. Um, the, the phrase, the realm of the dead, is the word Sheol, uh, which in Old Testament theology was the place of departed spirits. It wasn't heaven or hell. There was no developed belief in heaven or hell. Sheol was where everyone went, uh, good or bad. And it was kind of this existence, but not, not much of an existence. And so he says, but God will redeem me. Uh, uh, in other words, I'm not going to finish my journey in Sheol, uh, but he will take me to himself. I think the word takes very interesting too, because again, in ancient Israel culture, there were two people who escaped death. One was uh, a guy called Enoch, and it says Enoch walked with God and the, God took him. <laughs> Same word as take. And then, of course, Elijah, the, the story is Elijah was taken up to heaven. And so in this person's culture, there were two people in their tradition who had escaped death. Yeah. And so he says, God will redeem, in other words, buy me, save me from where all the spirits end up and take me, take me to be with himself. So there's this early development of, of a belief in the afterlife, which is quite phenomenal because we don't see that really take place until New Testament times. And so th- there's a hope, there's a faith, there's a trust, not necessarily a scientific proof, but as this person's reflected on the stark reality of everyone dies, uh, they've landed with my hope, my trust is there is a God and when my life is finished, it's, it's, in many ways life is like a room um, with two doors. Uh, we enter the room through the door of birth and we leave through the door of death. Mm. Now, we all know our birth date, so we all know when we arrive, but, but that, that death door, we, we don't know. Actually, there's an interesting website. I know we're on the topic of death, but uh, there's a website called deathclock.com. Well, but, I, I, but, went, I went there. Apparently, I'm going to die in 2062. Well, you're better than me, because uh, <laughs> they're saying, you put your details in, uh, they're saying I'll die in 7th of August 
2035, I'll be okay. 74. But if you have a, a positive, optimistic attitude, I get another 20 years. Right. So a good reason not to be negative. So it's, it's a handy tool because if you can find the date, put in your diary, don't book anything afterwards. <laughs> you're not going to be embarrassed by not turning up. Uh, the, the truth is this person's saying, I've got a hope, I've got a belief that death will not be the final answer, the final victor, won't have the last word, but there, there's a transition to a life beyond. How can, he, how can he believe that? I think that the God factor, this person has obviously encountered or come to a place where God has become real to him or her, mm -hmm. depending uh, who the songwriter was, and that connection with God, with this other, with this more, um, has given them a grounds for, for belief. So is that developed though further in like because Jesus comes and he's also called a redeemer yeah. does that change or impact what we read there about God taking people to himself well I think Jesus is the best picture of what God looks like yeah I think in in Jesus we see demonstrated I think the character and nature of the God the God who is Jesus himself says uh at a funeral, Lazarus, I am the resurrection of life. If you believe in me, though you die, yet will you live. And so Jesus was not ignoring death. And the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. That's a pretty audacious <laughs> thing to, to say, yeah. like uh, that he's the resurrection and the life. Mm. Like, I mean, how can he say that? You should ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus obviously seem to be able to transcend, engage with the human experience, but also to transcend it and to point to a hope beyond it. And so the New Testament writers went on to say that he himself experienced death and so understands the grief, the pain, the suffering of death, and yet uh, many uh, reported to seeing him alive again. Mm. And so there's this uh, foundation of at least the Christian faith in a belief that Death doesn't have the last word, but there is life beyond the grave, and Jesus himself has pioneered or um, made that way possible mm. for us. But doesn't the evidence, I mean, the science perhaps, for want of a better term, point in the opposite direction? For example, Kerry Packer, who was once Australia's richest man, suffered a heart attack in 1990 and was clinically dead for six minutes before being revived. Packer then said, I've been to the other side, and let me tell you, son, there's nothing there. There's no one waiting for you there. There's no one to judge you so you can do what you like. So according to Packer, uh, nothing happens when I die. So how can you believe that something's there? Science would say we're only atoms and, and uh, molecules. Th th yeah. yeah, there's a physicality to us. And when the brain dies, you're gone. Um, so I would say, is, is that all there is? Are we just a, a physical being or is there a, a sense of the spiritual? I, I, as I said, I have experienced and sensed um, in my encounter with life and death that I believe life has a spiritual dimension. There is something more than just the physicality of our existence. And I find it hard to believe that you take that last breath, that's it. You're, that's the, the door is, yeah. it's, there's nothing beyond that. Yeah, but but I can't prove that. I yeah. can't. Um, well, but Jesus' resurrection might, might give us a, a glimmer or something, a, a sense that there might be something else there as well. Yeah, for, for sure. And again, the resurrection of Jesus is again something there's some data there but it's not something you can prove in a scientific way but there's a lot of a lot of factors a lot of um, uh, you know people that saw Jesus risen from the dead gave their life for that 
belief. And mm. so unless they were totally deranged, that's that's a very interesting Another uh, data thing. point, another, another yeah. thing to consider. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of questions have come in from our text line yes. from our live audience. Um, as a believer, do you no longer fear death? If my life finished today, I'd honestly be able to say life has been a gift. God has been good. I, I'm deeply grateful. Mm. Um, it hasn't always been easy. There's been tears. There's been valleys. There's been sad moments. But it's, it's been enough. And so I, I have a peace and a contentment that um, comes from my faith. Um, but I'm, I'm actually okay with it. You mentioned at the start that you're, you've lost your father mm. and your stepmother recently. How was that experience? Yeah, I think for... Um, my, my dad was 92. He passed away in February. My stepmom, Reen, was 89, passed away last October. They, they were very different than the Robert story. And then about 10 years ago, Nicole's mother, Reen, was misdiagnosed with thyroid condition and then we discovered she had advanced bowel and stomach cancer and she died in three weeks and she was only mid-60s my mother had a heart attack at 64 I felt with my mom and Nicole's mom it's almost like you felt that they went too soon it was mm. almost like their life was cut short uh, my dad at 92 and my stepmom at 89 like they live full lives <laughs> they were ready to go and, and let me tell you old age is not all it's cut out to be you could see the frailty my dad had had a couple of falls in the in the room there and stitches in his head and so you know as hard as it was it's like they lived a really long and full life and so you grieve and you miss them but it's very different than a 20 year old or someone kind of cut off almost mid-narrative, mid if, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. So uh, uh, all the death has grief and loss, but I think some of those um, untimely deaths, and you pick that up in the psalm here, just, you know, the, you know, the, um, the unfairness of life, as, yeah. it, as it were, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But was, there was hope? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I mean... Definitely hope. I think in those sudden deaths of both Robert and our two mums, yeah, there was a, there was a, the, the grief lingered a lot longer, and the shock. I mean, when my mum died, it was just like this can't be happening. You know, mm. I think the shock factor, the grief factor, the loss factor was a lot higher than when someone's lived a full life, and you know, at some time they're going to go. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. So it's similar but different. Yeah, yeah. So thanks very much for sharing with yeah. us today, Mark. It's been wonderful having you. So, Mark, what happens when I die? My faith and belief is that we live on. And so that future is very much determined, I think, on what we, what we do today. You know, if you've ever been to a, a cemetery on the tombstone, you get your name, you get a birth date, and you get a death date, and you get a little dash. <laughs> A little hyphen. That's all you get for your life. <laughs> so right now we're living in that dash. We don't know when we're going to die, but we will. I believe that, you know, the choices we make, the life that we live here actually echoes on through eternity. And so I believe we live on when we die. And I believe that uh, there's a grace in this life to help us to prepare for that. Mm. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, what happens when I die from Psalm 49 verse 15? But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Mark Connor. Thank you. My pleasure. Enjoy Bigger Questions? 
you can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.